Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 92. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. We're going to have a short intro and just dive right in. I just want to tell you that I know some of you are out and maybe you've already gotten a deer or maybe you have some stories from the past years that you wouldn't mind sharing. I'm always looking for guests on this show. You guys know, if you look back through the long list, you probably don't know most of the names because they're average Joes, normal folks just like you and I, and they've agreed to come on this show and just share their stories. And I would love it if you would do the same. Send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Shedding Light Outdoors, send a private message, and we'll set up a time that's convenient for you in the next couple weeks, and I'd love to hear uh, how your season's going, hear some of your old stories, some of your new stories, and I hope that you're making some stories right now, actually. I tell you what, if you're not subscribing on YouTube, you're missing out on some of our best stuff that we've released. We've got some great videos over there, and the most recent comes from my good friend Travis Shire on the biggest buck that he's ever taken in his life. That's what today's podcast is all about. Trav unpacks why he hunted, where he hunted, how he was able to get on a 163-inch deer with a long bow and make a 12-yard shot. We unpack all kinds of things in this episode, and I think that you're going to enjoy it. So I'm not going to belabor, not going to go on. I'm just going to say, here's Travis Shire. Hope you enjoy this episode. Well, he is no stranger to this podcast. You have uh, heard this guy's um, voice before whenever we've talked about Colorado elk hunting. I uh, had him on the show uh, in the early season to talk about his plan, and I just want to welcome my good friend and fellow hunter, Travis Shire. How you doing, man? Hey, great. Great. Thanks for having me back on the podcast. Well, you, you did well enough that I thought, you know what, I should have you back, you know? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got lucky, you know? Even a, even, a, even a blind hog finds an acorn now and then. That's good, man. <laughs> So what's going yeah. on these days? Are you just sitting around the house, you know, not Dude, doing much of anything? I'm you bored. Know, my, out. my county is only a two deer county this year. And man, I've already filled both tags. <laughs> I have a little farm in another county that I could probably go shoot a doe on, but I kind of want to save that little spot for my dad. He's taking some vacation on the rut. Um, yeah. So I, I just don't want to go. If I go in there now, I'll blow it up for him probably. And uh, I even kicked around going turkey hunting. But I just can't really bring myself to shoot a hen, you know, because we need them to produce more turkeys. And if I went out, <laughs> if I went out, I'm pretty sure a hen would be the one that would come in. So, yeah, yeah, kicking it around, but maybe. Well, man, I tell you, on our last podcast together, you know, we talked about our season goals and yeah. uh, kind of talked about, I, I remember asking you the question, like, if you could have like a draw, longer drawn out season, would you prefer that? Um, or if you could just have like a few hunts and kill like the giant, uh, big 10 point that you, and you mentioned that shooting a big 10 point, you, I think, remind I, me, what did you say on that? <laughs> I, spe- I specifically mentioned this buck that I killed. And I said, I said, I may pass some deer this year because I have some Intel on a big 10 point and we'll see what happens with that. I think I said something around yeah. something like that. Yeah. You guys have so. to go back. It's only like a few episodes ago, but, but it's been cool, man. I think, um, we're sitting here we're recording this on what october the 22nd and we've already had some great success of shedding light outdoors great success just being able to attract deer have some fun in the woods and i, I can't wait to talk to you a little bit about that because i'm sure some guys are interested how did your season go they know how my season's going so far got a doe down but i want to go back you know kind of beginning of the season and kind of walk okay. us through a little bit trav you know the yeah. story of the big 10 and maybe even the doe before that and just kind of unpack the season okay. a little bit Sure, sure. I'll, well, I'll just talk about the, 
the dough actually, uh, so I, well, let me start here. I, during the summer, so I, okay, let me I can back up even more. So I've always been a stand hunter. I've had a light, light hang on stand and I've always been a mobile hunter. And about July, I decided I was sick and tired of lugging that 10 pounds of metal around. And just to get a preface, I, I made fun of saddle hunters. I thought they were, they didn't know what they're talking about. I was like, you saddle hunter guys, you're just a bunch of know-it-alls. And anyway, I ordered a saddle and, uh, <laughs> I was, I was set on it. I was like, this makes sense because you can go, I can save 10 pounds of gear and being mobile. That's just, that's ideal. So ordered it first of August. It wasn't going to arrive. I just got it last week actually. So I had a safety harness, um, I don't know, hunter safety system, safety harness that had the lineman's belt on it. And uh, my, my tether and my linesman's rope and my bridge and everything came in, everything but the saddle. So I got a little platform and uh, I've been practicing from that safety harness all summer. So season rolled around and I did not um, have my saddle yet. So I went ahead and started hunting um, with the, the tree harness. And um, after getting the saddle, it's not near as comfortable. I, I, I would describe hunting from a tree harness kind of like Superman picking you up by the groin and swinging you around it's uh the first the first 20 minutes isn't too bad but two two or three hours into the hunt you you regret it but anyway so uh i set got i got set up uh, my goal actually this year too was to uh kill a doe i use corn i use mobile corn hunting for my method it's kind of a lot of details i can talk about that later maybe but i i should get the deer in the traditional range um I like to use a little bit of bait. So my goal was to kill a doe without using bait. And um, I got lucky. A, a, long, a longbow this year, correct? Yeah, longbow. Longbow. And my max, I, I, won't, I won't shoot at a deer past 20 yards. So they have to be close. Um, but I got lucky. There was a good acorn crop this year. And I, I know where there was a doe group hanging out. And so I, I snuck in there, hung a stand under some uh, acorns that were dropping. And... Um, Actually, on the night I shot this doe, I observed the Big Ten coming out of, the, out of his bedding area. I observed him from about 300 yards away. So this hunt actually helped me get some intel on him. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so this, this doe comes in, and she's at 20 yards. Um, I draw back. Everything feels great. I release the arrow, and I, um, I double lung her. Uh, absolutely perfect shot through both lungs. Arrow stick passes through, sticks in the ground. Uh, she runs around the corner. She was only about 30 yards away and I heard a big crash. And, uh, so, I mean, she was down in less than five seconds. Um, got down, arrow was covered in blood and she actually fell in the Creek and she was kind of submerged in the Creek. All I could really see was her belly sticking out. So i kind of, kind of glad that the Creek wasn't any deeper. She might've sunk and it <laughs> would have been hard to find her. But, uh, so yeah, I, I harvested her and it felt amazing, uh, to just have that much, um, confidence in your shot i've been working the last few years on my shot with the longbow and um they're just starting to come together because i mean some of you guys will watch my videos and think that i'm a decent shot but man there was a lot of struggle uh the first couple of years and i actually want to make a video to put out next spring or summer kind of telling my journey and some of the things that's helped me but uh yeah. but anyway so yeah i had my dough had my dough down and, and another thing this farm uh the farmer, before I could get permission, he, he wanted me to be sure that I would shoot a doe. So I, uh, I understand that, and I went ahead and took care of that. So that was on, I think, September 29th? Yeah, it was the same night. That night I got three texts, one from you, 
one from my buddy Ben and one from my brother. And all three yeah. uh, had shot deer. Unfortunately, Ben's son uh, shot a deer and it looked like a good shot. Wasn't able to find that one. But my cousin or my cousin, my nephew Jensen, I uh, got a buck down. He was just, he's what, yeah. six years old and got his first deer. So he was all yeah. excited, you know. So uh, it, it was, was a, a rainy. Night. It was a it was a rainy evening, a cooler than normal evening and there at least where i was um about an hour before dark a rain shower moved through and as soon as that that shower well the shower kind of passed it was still kind of misty but as soon as that shower passed the deer got on their feet hardcore and they were just they were just moving and buzzing all around that that last hour of daylight how did it um, feel so, to get your first deer with a saddle you know some guys like get real excited about that others it's just kind of a method how, how did you feel about getting a doe like using the saddle method i didn't i didn't really care i'd I don't, I've, I didn't, it, it, it's just a, all I, all it really is I hunt it because I don't want to carry 10 pounds of metal with me. So, so it's a method. Um, it's a method. It's just a tool. I don't, I'm not really, I didn't even post it on a saddle page and save my first saddle deer. So yeah, I just, uh, it's just another tool. I, I mean, I've, I've shot deer sitting in weeds on the ground. I've killed them in all kinds of stands and blinds and yeah. uh, whatever is appropriate for the hunt. So, mm, yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's get into that because I know the rest of the story, but let's back up a little bit. Tell us about the Big Ten. We've heard about them before. You mentioned kind of your first run in there with them this season. Uh, what did you know about this deer? Kind of describe where he's at so guys kind of get a picture. Yeah. You know, we're in, you're, you're kind okay. of in middle Ohio. I won't give away your city, yeah. state, and zip code, but, you know, yeah. middle Ohio. Sure. Kind of explain that a little bit. Yeah, so it's a 180-acre farm, and honestly, I think there's less than 10 acres of woods. Um, all the deer – are betting on the neighbors and basically this farm has all the food um and there's like i think by the end of the season there'll be <laughs> there'll be like 12 guys that end up hunting this farm so there's actually more guys hunting it than there are acres of woods on the farm so it is a pressured farm um, but they kind of late there's a road that runs through the middle of it and, and it's a valley um, it might stretch probably a little over a quarter of a mile and on each side of the road is uh, beautiful croplands in the valley there's there's uh, pasture hay meadows cornfields and then after the, the those valleys probably expend, extend like 100 yards off the road 200 yards off the road and then it goes up into steep timber ridges on both sides of that um so the deer are up in the timber ridges and they come to the meadows at night to feed um of course and and, and they're pretty daylight active until the hunting pressure picks up but uh so what i've learned about this well i guess the okay so let me start with the big 10 so this particular buck I found in one of the cornfields. I found a shed in 2019, the spring of 2019, and um, picked it up. And I was like, well, that's a nice buck because I can tell he's got a really good brow tie. It's kind of bladed and pretty neat looking and put it in my collection. And then in the fall of 2019, um, I was hunting uh, one of the, the, actually the meadow that I killed him out of. I actually watched him um, come out of the bedding area um, all about 70 yards from where I killed him on October 7th, 2019. I ended up killing him on October 8th, 2020. And mm. he, he came out of the same bed. He bedded probably the same bed that day. Um, I, did, I didn't know so, that. Wow. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the farm. So I've, um, I've noticed that they have cattle in here and they, they rotate the cattle. So they'll put the cattle in like a, maybe a five or 10 acre lot and they'll eat the grass down to the ground and then they'll move them to a lush, a lush pasture uh, about the same size and they just keep rotating them. And 
what I've learned about the deer on this farm is they'll follow the cattle um, about two weeks after the cows move out of a, a paddock. Uh, the deer will move in and it's almost like the deer are on a rotational grazing as well because the, 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 the cattle farmer, he takes really good care of his pasture. So there's a lot of clover, a lot of good lush grass in there. He fertilizes it and stuff. And uh, so anyway, with the, the field that I killed the, the big 10 out of, uh, they moved the cattle out about two weeks prior. And uh, I hadn't seen a deer in there for probably a month because they just had ate it down to nothing. And then um, right as the season started there, the first of October, it started to get really green again. And I, I noticed that um, the deer started hitting again, just, just like clockwork. Um, it seems to always work this way. And you, you had, um, <clears throat> you had some pretty good summer footage of him though, too. Oh, driving yeah. up, Forgot driving about up the that. road. Yeah. I mean, some yeah. of our best, <laughs> best yeah. B roll, you just drive up and down this road and you, you see this deer out there. That was what yeah. was always incredible to me about it. Yeah. So I can explain that too. So the, some of these valleys in this farm, along the road is, is corn and beans. They rotate it every other year. And you would think that you would see more bucks on the soybean years, um, but you don't. Actually, I, I, see, I see more bucks on the years that's in corn. And I, I don't know if that's because they feel the corn is safe. It seems like they always walk the edge of these cornfields. That's where I would always see them following the edge of these cornfields. And maybe they looked at it as if there was extra bedding and extra cover in there. Mm -hmm. on the summers that, that they had corn but uh so like I, i've never had any velvet footage of this buck he's never been on this farm the only time i've ever seen him um was on october 7th the year before i killed him um and so in july i, I always try to just check it out and there's usually you can get get your eyes on a velvet buck somewhere and um i sure enough i found the the big 10 and it, it was almost like his home range had shrunk to a, to this farm. Like it, it's like he, uh, they say older bucks get a smaller home range, but he was very content, very happy on this farm. And, um, I just was blessed enough to be able to observe, um, how he was using it. Um, and I, I noticed something else too. It would, I wouldn't see him in daylight every night, but if it was a, if it was a cold front or I even started following the red moon guide and, some of the, the moon phases that people guys would say, you, this is good for a big buck. Um, he, he would show up in daylight on those, uh, on those particular evenings. And I just thought that was kind of interesting, but I'm kind of blessed. I, um, my wife allows me to go on deer drives, but I actually, not just this farm, but other farms, I, every night from July until now, I've actually kind of checked on my deer herd. And I, I recommend that to guys if you're having trouble getting on deer is to, to spend a couple of evenings scouting, uh, long range scouting. And from my experience has killed more deer for me than um, hunting. So I would rather spend two evenings scouting from a distance than sitting in a stand where I'm not sure if there are deer around. Mm. Um, but that, that's just kind of helped, helped me a little bit, but I'm really blessed to, to have an, a farm that I can observe like this. But um, some of my other farms I've done it too, but, but I have to walk up into the property a little bit, but anyway, so yeah, where were we at now? Okay, so, so yeah, October rolls around and you're starting to notice, um, you know, things yeah. are changing a little bit and you're, you're getting ready. Yes. Okay. Yep. So on October 1st, which is right when this, this, this pasture is greening up, um, right at first light, I'm up, up in there observing the farm and I see this buck headed into the bedding area that he came out of last year on October 7th. And I'm like, wow, he's, he is going in there to bed in that exact same spot. I'm like, 
this is my chance. Uh, so tell you a little bit about this. I, I went in the next day and so this meadow that, that he was coming to every evening, um, it's, it was about a 300 yard stretch by maybe 75 yards. Um, and then it, and then it went up to a big timbered ridge and there was a couple bedding spots in that timbered ridge. And the, the, the gamble was there's probably a dozen places within that 300 yard stretch that he could come out. Um, you just never knew which one he was going to come out on. Um, and it seemed to be no rhyme or reason. It was just random. So I set up a blind on a nice Creek crossing and it was the most Southern part of that, um, of that, of the green lush paddock and the timbered bedding ridge. It was the most Southern part. I okay. put that blind right there. So, so anything, any wind out of the North or Northwest, I could hunt it. And I also knew that with that steep ridge coming down, I've hunted it before and my wind would always swirl when I was in a tree stand. So um, I, I set the ground blind up to keep my thermals low and, and the edge of my ground blind was like right on the creek bank. So my thought was if I had any swirly wind with a calm wind, then my thermals would get sucked into this creek and then the creek would, would flow away and suck my thermals down this creek. So I wouldn't get any swirly wind and they, they, I had deer in front of me for over 30 minutes that night and not a single one of them caught a whiff of me. So mm. something, something worked there and kind of, kind of happy about that. So, um, so anyway, so I set this ground blind up and I, I needed something to tip it in my favor. I didn't know if I was going to do a mock scrape or I didn't know if I was going to, what I wanted to do hundred percent. So I wanted to make sure he came out on this trail that's only 20 yards from my blind um, so I took a, a bag of corn. Now this is over a week before I killed him. And I sprinkled it over about a 10 yard by 15 yard area. I just sprinkled the whole bag like salt and pepper. So it was almost like they had to pick and pick at it to get the kernels. They couldn't just stand and eat over a pile. And uh, so they kind of came in there and um, I don't know if they felt more comfortable, but it wasn't hundred percent like a bait pile to them. But anyway, so they pecked at it. They pecked at it for a week and there was still corn there over a week later. And, um, so anyway, so I get, finally get a Northwest wind cause, cause a West wind, it would, I knew the wind would swirl really bad with the West wind cause it would kick over the ridge and then swirl at the base. East wouldn't work. South wouldn't work. So Northwest is what it was and, uh, snuck in there that evening and, um, just got set up. Um, I, I had all black on and I painted my face black and everything was dark in the blind and. Um, let's see. I think it gets, I shot the buck about seven, about six thirty. Um, I had some does come by and they, they didn't even stop at the corn. They just walked right by and went out into the meadow. Um, and then about six, I don't know, probably six forty. Um, I had a really good six point actually, man, as soon as I saw this six point, um, I was like, Oh, I got to shoot him, you know, cause I'm not a guy <laughs> to shoot big bucks. I, I, I like to just fill my tags, harvest deer, make good shots and, and I'm happy. But this six point came in and he started picking around at the corn and he was eating weeds and he was only 10 yards from my stand. And after he was there about a minute, uh, my nerves calmed down and I was like, no, just, just wait. I, you know, it's early in the season. I kind of actually like to hunt the rut anyway. So let's, uh, let's just be patient. And uh, he milled around there for 10 or 15 minutes uh, that, that six point did. And I heard footsteps above me coming off the ridge again and that uh six point pops his head up looks up the ridge and 
as soon as he does, does that, he he tucks his tail between his legs and kind of scurry, <laughs> scurries off. He's like, he's like, oh man, I'm going to get my my butt whooped if I don't get out of here. So, but uh, oh, actually, here comes. So anyway, so yeah, I got the. Sorry, there's a guy driving by on an ATV, but <laughs> um, oh, actually, actually, it's the. Go ahead. Can we can we pause this for a minute? Yeah, we can pause. Go ahead. It's actually the farmer. I'm. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. So we had a little pause in the action right there. Trav was getting into the good part of the story, and the landowner where he's actually at <laughs> came up to talk. Trav, I I just want to pause for a second and say you have a really good relationship. I got to hear the whole conversation. You have a good relationship with that landowner. Yeah. I well, I mean, he's a nice man, and he, he actually went to high school with my mom, so I kind of had a foot in the door that way. And yeah, he's a super nice guy. I mean, just uh world-class nice guy if you don't if you don't like him then you're not going to get along with a lot of people so <laughs> so yeah. so anyway we'll get back to the story here um you're in the blind uh you got little the smaller buck in front of you you've chosen to pe- give it the pass and all of a sudden yeah. you hear footsteps he tucks his yeah. tail to run yep scur- yeah the little, little six point scurries off you know not real far just gets out of the way <laughs> and uh hear footsteps get heavier and here comes the big boy, man. I, I see his legs coming through the, the trees above me and then his rack busts through and he just marches right in like he owns the place. And How are you uh, feeling as he comes in? I've never felt my heart beat that fast in my entire life. It's so hard. <laughs> it actually almost hurt how hard it was beating. Um, just every thud, every single rib shook. And I have never got that way with another deer. Um, yeah. Of course, he's only 15 yards and I'm on the ground 15 yards looking at him right there. And he has no clue I'm there, which is the crazy part. I'm like, this is just totally wild. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so you and capture I'm this just, on video. And my yeah. favorite part, I've watched it a few times. Um, and we'll talk about the video and where to find that yeah. and all that here in a minute. But I remember this buck comes in and as I'm watching it, you can hear a gasp almost. Like the first <laughs> time you lay eyes on him, you're <gasps> like, yeah. it's like the, you can hear the breathing become heavier. <laughs> I never even noticed that you pointed it out and I went back and listened and I guess you can't hear it. So yeah. So he's in front of me and uh, it's just unbelievable. Like, I was like, Oh my goodness, it worked. I can't believe it worked. <laughs> like I got, I got this buck in front of me. Um, and so then I started looking at his antlers. I'm like, oh, my goodness, he's huge. And I'm like, stop it, stop it. I was like, right, your business is behind the shoulder. That's where you're here to do business. I was like, don't look. And after that moment, I never looked at the antlers again. Every time I looked at him, it was right behind the shoulder. I was like, that's, that's why I'm here, right there behind the shoulder. And so he, he was grazing around on the corn there for a few minutes, a couple minutes. And he was facing me and quartering to me. And, and I, I was just waiting at any moment for him to turn broadside. And I was going to draw back and shoot him. And uh, for some reason, he just got a urge to move to a new area. And he, he just started walking to the left like he was going to walk back the way he came. He wasn't spooked or anything, but just got the notion to move on. And like, oh, man, he's going to walk out of my life. He's going to walk. He's just going to walk away. And so he's cutting to my left. And he's only like 12 yards from me now because to, to leave, he actually had to come by me a little bit. And I see him walking in. I got a, uh, about a three-foot opening in a patch of weeds. And uh, so I'm at full draw when he comes into that opening. And, and it's dead quiet. Like, you can hear a pin drop. So, so when he gets in that opening, um, I let out a loud, like, a meh. And every ounce of me 100% believed that when I made that sound, that buck was going to stop. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't even a doubt in my mind that I would have to wait to see if he stopped. Like, everything in me thought, he's going to stop when I make that sound. So 
made the sound and like a second or so later I let the arrow go and for some reason he, he didn't stop he just stayed in stride and kept walking and my I saw my my lighted knock hit him about mid-body about basically a full stride behind where I wanted to hit him um, I think everything in me believes if he would have stopped I would have I would have smashed him through the chest but anyway so as soon as that arrow hit like I was just like I rolled my eyes and I think I even just I don't know just huffed and puffed and just sat there in disbelief of like I can't believe I just made a bad shot on this deer and I was like crushed I I didn't even have energy to do an interview that evening like I just turned my camera off sat there until pitch black and walked out um and that's about all, all the energy I had left in me to do um so yeah so that's kind of where I'm at right there yeah um, did, now and so something I love about you and I think something guys can learn a lot of guys would be real tempted to try and go over, you know, just go across the Creek real quick and see if there's any blood. Why didn't you do that? Well, I didn't, I, I could, I, I just guessed he wouldn't go very far. And I took, if I took one step in his direction, he could have just got a burst of adrenaline and we never would have found him. Um, mm -hmm. So I just, I waited till pitch black and I snuck out of there as quiet as I can. And um, I've had an experience in the past with, being too eager and bumping deer and i just knew if we wanted a chance to find this buck and to keep him on the properties that we had permission to get him on i had to just get out of there as quiet as i can and not not let him know that anybody was coming after him mm. um and so, then another thing oh sorry go ahead good, no go ahead i'll let you go and i, I was well, gonna another, tell you my side of the story i don't know if i've ever told you what i was doing so go ahead okay um well so i when i shoot a deer and i make a good shot i hyperventilate i absolutely lose my mind I shake uncontrollably and this excitement rushes over me that I can't control and I, I felt none of that I felt zero zero excitement and I just shot the biggest buck of my life but just because of that shot wasn't and it's a shot I know I can make it's yeah. just the how everything played out was just a, a huge disappointment to me Mm. so anyway so yeah. i remember going into that night i was, I was excited for you because you seemed to have uh, you felt like you had pretty good odds but we had uh, uh swimming lessons with our girls at the y and it was yeah. my turn to be in the water with my youngest and i told my wife said, hey <laughs> i want you to check this phone keep my phone and let me know like travis shire i think has a chance of shooting like a giant buck tonight and so yeah. i'm down in the water and i'm there and i kept looking up and my wife she's on her phone but she's not looking down like, okay nothing may have happened we got about two minutes left of class and i'm so glad because i may have gotten out of the water yeah. early like canceled swim lessons at night yeah but two minutes before class i look up and she gives me a thumbs up and i and i do like the, i put the antler uh, antlers above my head i don't know what the other ladies you know the bunch of ladies in the, in the water are thinking but i'm like doing this and she gives me like the yes it's i'm like oh my gosh and i got up there yeah. and you had sent a text saying that you had hit him a little back and yeah. i called i remember you're super quiet because i could just tell i was like uh-oh this is not you yeah. but you seemed pretty confident that you had made a shot and that he's well, definitely dead i mean there was no I doubt was gonna, about i that. knew he was yeah i knew he was going to die i got the arrow into the body cavity i knew he was going to die and after looking at the footage he was actually quartered away a little more than what i realized too so that was a little bit of a help yeah um but yeah so yeah it just wasn't the excitement of no exclamation marks none of that stuff mm. so but anyway, so. so the next morning rolls around. We decided to, to wait till a certain time to so kind of walk us through, you know, the game plan and, and how the next yeah. day played out. Did you get any well, sleep that night? First off, I slept like a baby. I just I just turned it over to God. I'm like, I know he's dead. I was like, I just 
need you to help us find this book, God. <laughs> and, uh, and then I went to sleep and I slept like a baby. I, when I got home, my wife's like, are you okay? Cause it must've been like an adrenaline dump or something, but I was exhausted and absolutely wiped out when I got home. Mm. And, uh, so I went to bed and just slept like a rock. <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. kind of amazing. But after I looked at the footage, of course, and I, I could see, I was like, it was one of those where like, ah, oh, do we go back now or do we wait in the morning? And, and I, pl- I've rolled that dice before. And every time I bump the deer and either don't find it or it's harder to find. So I just, uh, went to bed and rested. So, yeah. In the meantime, I had called my buddy Ben. Uh, ben has uh, been on the podcast before, Coyote Hunter, and he actually last year I had shot a deer, made a bad shot, and he brought his uh, little dog Lucy over uh, last year. And not necessarily like a trained tracking dog, but she's a, a good little dog. And I was just impressed. Like I'd shot that deer, I think, a full day before this, and she got on the trail and we she helped us find blood. We never found the deer. I think he lived, um, but she did a great job. And so I called Ben and said, hey, are you available tomorrow? And he said, yes. He's always just a, got a great servant heart. And so met him and we headed up to meet you. What was it, about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, about, it was about 10, 30, 11, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ben's a super nice guy. It was the first time I ever met Ben and he's a, he's a world-class guy. And my buddy, Josh, he, he, uh, I talked to him that morning. He's like, man, I'm sorry. I got to work. And like 20 minutes later, I get a phone call back. He, he's self-employed. And he's like, dude, I moved some things around and I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I couldn't, I knew Josh couldn't miss it. So I, yeah. Josh came and helped. So there was, there was Josh, Ben, you, and uh, Lucy, the tracking dog. And uh, we headed in about 11 a.m. Um, mm-hmm. Just because I actually watched the, dr- the jury, the deer cast uh, shot tracker, or whatever. And, and it was saying some of those intestine hit deer can live up to 24 hours. So I wasn't in a hurry to get back in there first light just cause the footage was real shaky and I just wasn't sure on the shot. So yeah. anyway, so yeah, so anyway, we head in there at 11 AM and, um, go to the blind and the dog seems like it picks up the track right away. And she starts heading up the hill in the direction I saw him run. And we go about 30 or 40 yards and there's just blood dumping there's a lot of blood i'm like oh my goodness is this thing going to be laying right here and it was pink lung blood with bubbles in it and at that moment we knew we got at least one lung so we're like dude he's we're going to find him and uh so lucy really does a great job just chucking right along this uh this blood trail and i'm really optimistic at this point and then we follow it maybe 200 yards he gets up to the top of this little knoll and man, the blood just thins out. We're like, Oh my God, like, Oh boy, that's not good. So i um, kind of got a little bit nervous that the dog was struggling just a little bit and uh, we kind of branched off went our own separate ways. And Josh went down this little Valley and found the arrow. Um, the arrow had a lot of bright red blood on it. Um, it, um, it looked good. And then we kind of got back on some blood and, um, we were a little nervous at that point well, though, you know, cause it, all, the, some of the blood looked fresh. Yeah. yeah. But, um, so yeah, we were, we're like, man, the blood is thinning out a little bit, kind of, kind of not good. And, uh, we came around this corner and Ben, Ben was in the lead with Lucy and he's like, I see, I see shiny. And, uh, we, we, I peeked around the corner there. He was right in the middle of the woods laying in the beam array of sunlight. Like God's like, they're going to struggle with this. We're going to need to put some sunlight on it. (laughs) So it's like highlighted right there in the middle of the woods. And, uh, I just, I couldn't believe it. It was just him laying there dead. 
and uh, just a, a huge sigh of relief came over me that we that we got to locate him. So mm. what's, it like to, to, what's it like as, especially as a longbow trad hunter to put your, your hands on a, you know, I know for you, it's not always about the antlers, but there has to be something special yeah. about shooting a deer that big. Well, I mean, I guess though, what I was thinking is uh, that's always seemed like it was unobtainable for some reason. Like, um, like only the guys in the video shot the big bucks or compound guy shot the big bucks. And I was like, wow, I actually did this. Like, yeah. I don't know, just, I just walked up to him real slow, just trying to take it all in. Like, um, I don't know, just trying to enjoy the moment. And I don't know, it's hard to explain how I yeah. felt, but I, I just felt, I guess it was rewarding. Um, I don't know, just, it was it just, it was just a good solid, wow, we finally did it type deal. So <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I, I just, I, I was blown away. I mean, I really was like, I was starting to worry a little bit cause that blood was getting like, it looked like it was fresh. I'm like, Oh shoot. Did, we didn't bump this deer. I think we would have heard it. And so whenever Ben said, Hey, there's something shiny over the hill that just, I mean, like yeah. it just felt, I mean, we'd probably spent, I don't know, it was maybe a, a good solid hour, um, taking yeah. our time and we'd lost the trail a few times and had to get back on it. And then Josh found the arrow. And then I think from where he found the arrow to where the deer crashed was only 60 to 70 yeah. yards, but that deer went overall probably over 300 yards. Yeah, I think he went about 350 yards. Um, the arrow hit a mid-body, angled forward, so it took intestines, liver, and one lung, mm -hmm. um, which is why we had a decent blood trail. It, ex it exited on the opposite side. I'm only shooting a 40-pound longbow, yeah. but I got crazy sharp two blades, and it, it, um, it center-punched that rib on the opposite side, or if it wasn't a center-punched that rib, I think it would have just shot right through him yeah um stuck in the ground but so anyway yeah we got the hands on this buck and uh it was a, it was a happy moment <laughs> yeah so. very cool well i think um a lot of guys have sent you congratulations and you've uh, posted that video it's on our youtube it's our most recent youtube as of right now video and um we scored him just kind of rough scored him 163 inches you didn't have any intentions of like sending him in to become ohio big buck club or boone and crockett no. although he would he, he would definitely qualify for ohio big buck but that kind of thing's just not important to you right no that's not important no i'm not at all just uh just happy to shoot him <laughs> so, just happy to get close to him yep well. Well, good. How has your feedback been on uh, YouTube? I want to talk a little about that. You know, you and I kind of talked a little bit before about oh, yeah. some topics, but you know, just uh, how's, how's uh, the feedback overall? Um, I would say 99% of it's like, way to go. Great job. Awesome story. Glad you shared it. Oh man. So happy for you. But it seems like there's just a, a few people who get lost in the weeds and get hung up on the fact that the, the meat wasn't good when we found the buck. Um, yeah. It was, I don't know how long ago before we got there, he died, but there were flies on it, a little bit of a stench. Um, coyotes had been into him. Yeah. And I, I feel like, uh, I don't know. And I, I've seen it other places that, that people get hung up on the whole story and everything that goes into it just because the meat was bad. And yeah. I don't know about, I don't know about, I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty sure everybody who's, hunted at some point in their life if they've hunted for any extensive amount of time this has probably happened to and it's kind of a subject people don't like to talk about it's kind of like they yeah. just don't want to charter that water 
but yeah, it's the reality did, of hunting. It is. And you I'm, did a and you did a great job on your video, and it, it's like one of those things we kind of talked about that. Like, do we show? You know, the back end of the deer had been ate on quite a bit. There was flies. Yeah. You couldn't help but notice that. And there was there was a smell. I mean, he had been out there. And, you know, we we did the right. You did the right thing backing out. And sometimes that happens. I shot a deer uh, two years ago. And it was my fault too long of a shot. I learned a great lesson that day, but it was a painful lesson because I notched a tag on a deer that I, I just did not feel comfortable bringing back and eating. Um, I left her there for mother nature to consume. And, um, you know, it's just, it's one of those things you feel bad about it, but then it does seem like on social media, like if you even hint that that happened, it's like all of a sudden people come out of the woodwork to bash you over the top of the head for it. And, and it is yeah. unfortunate, and I know that you feel bad about it, but it's well, yeah. kind of one of those things. It's like, but you're also excited because you did find the buck. You did get the biggest buck of your life, and while you're yeah. nobody will ever say that Travis Shire is a trophy hunter, you are excited because you got a yeah. good deer. So that's that is a challenge yeah. sometimes. And I'm and I'm tore up. I mean, I I love deer meat. Um, I've got that doe in my freezer right now, and I'm thrilled to death about that. And I I do hunt. I do hunt for the meat. Um, but honestly sometimes it just doesn't work out and uh, I don't, I just, uh, I mean, there, I think, so that is the, that is the sad part. Yes. The meat is not there, but there, I think there are some good things that can come out of this. Of course, the best would be to put it in my freezer and make deer jerky. But I think the fact what we're looking at overall as hunters as, as a goal, I mean, Ohio is a six deer state. Uh, mm -hmm. So let's just, the population of deer is not hurting in Ohio. If, if yeah. if our ultimate goal is to get meat, they're all. They're, I think our ultimate goal also as hunters is to manage the population because if you were to not hunt deer for maybe two or three years, the population would be so high. I'm not saying just me. I'm saying hunting to stop. Population would be so high. We'd have deer starving to death. We would have a problem. I'm not a wildlife biologist, but there's probably some kind of a disease that would probably strike the deer, and they would be in really bad shape as a species. Um, so. Yes, we hunt to we hunt to um, get the meat. We also hunt to manage the deer numbers in order so we can so we can drive down the road and say, "Hey, kids, look at that deer!" And there's a beautiful deer right there that yeah. everybody can enjoy and look at. And in the future, I can shoot more deer to get the meat. But hunting is is about managing the numbers. Um, so I, I was able to do that. Also, I guess I look at it too, is that, you know, I fed, I fed coyotes, I fed like foxes, <laughs> raccoons, buzzards, all these things are part of the ecosystem. And I, I probably spared, I don't know what, 10 rabbit lives because of this buck. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know if never that's, thought about that's that. a, I mean, it's just a, a part of nature. I mean, it's no different than going to the store and buying a bag of dog food for my dog. Um, I bought a bag of dog food for the coyotes and foxes. And I'm not trying to make light of any of that. I'm just saying that there are good things that it's not a total waste, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and it's the thing. I mean, I think if that was like every deer you ever shot was a gut shot or whatever, obviously there's some areas there where you're like, okay, you know, at yeah. some point we all need to sit down and, and become better shots we try yeah. and make ethical shots there's also the issue of we don't want an animal to suffer right that's right. something we hadn't talked about yet there. so that's obviously true. we don't we don't want that to happen you know um 
but there's a flip side of that. Like you just said, it's, it, there's so much more that goes into it. And why do we hunt? Yes, we hunt for the meat. That's obviously a primary reason. I think we also hunt because it's fun. It's, it's fun. Yeah. The adrenaline, the hyperventilating, the, the thrill of the chase, the excitement of being able to go in there with your buddies and, and track a deer and find a deer together. There's, it, I don't see hunting as just being one reason. And I think sometimes guys try and make it be that. And if that's that for them, if, if somebody's in it just for the meat and that's what they live off of, you know, Hey, more power to you. I mean, if you can go out and do that and that's what you sustain your family, but for us, we eat other things. We have other things to go off of, but that's not to make, like you said, it's not to make light of any of that, but it's also to try and explain why, you're not sitting around crying and saying, you know, this is terrible and I'm not going to post my buck video because I, I hit a deer back just a little bit, even though you did catch a lung technically, you know, and I I have a good track record too. I, I I like to think I'm, I guess I got video to prove it. I'm pretty ethical shot. Um, and I think if you, if you're a hunter at some point, this is probably going to happen in your career. Yeah. Um, and it's just something that we don't talk about as hunters very much, Hmm. but so back to the social media. So I think we've oh, covered yeah. that pretty good on that. But social media, so one of the things that's happened, it's been kind of neat with Shedding Light Outdoors. Shedding Light Outdoors started in 2015. And back then, you know, we weren't real trying real big on YouTube. We seemed to like Facebook a little bit better, but Facebook's gotten harder and harder to work with, it seems like. And so we've really started kind of promoting on YouTube. And some of your videos are over 15,000 views. Um, this video that you just did has already got 2,500 views. So and, and while that's not like the most important thing, it is kind of neat to see that. Um, but with that, we've also had to deal with some haters. Yeah. So Trav, how have you, how have you chosen, how have we chosen, you know, kind of unpack a little bit about yeah. how we respond to that kind of thing and, and what your experience has been with, you know, well, the negativity. Yeah. I mean, first thing you can't argue with them. You don't want to argue. You don't want to feed them. Uh, you want to, uh, we had one, actually I made a pretty good shot on this buck and I got the meat and everything was good. And uh, I got a couple of haters talking about, oh, I mean, you need to learn shot placement and shot angles. And I felt like I did a pretty good job. And I, I probably got 20, 20 remarks of great shot. And then there's like, there's like this one. And I guess for that, that particular person, we, we said, thank you very much for the advice and uh, we'll do our best in the future. You know, <laughs> just something like, something like that. I mean, um, is, is just a kind way to handle it. Um, you know, and I, it hurts me to see that, see, see hunters have a lot of freedoms. Um, it's because like, if you go with the, if you play baseball, everybody's ball looks the same, the bat looks the same, the gloves look the same, but we can use crossbows, longbows, recurves, compounds, um, all kinds of different guns, all kinds of different cameras, all kinds of different stands and hunting methods. And there's so much freedom as hunters that we, I think we take it for granted because we bash on each other all the time. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not, you're only cool if you do this or you're, you're a wimp if you do this. And man, guys, we're all in this. It's all a sport that we're all enjoying. And, it, and it's all regulated by the, by the wildlife department. As long as you're within those laws, my goodness, we're all on the same team, but your baseball bat might look a little different than my baseball bat, you know, <laughs> go out but and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and enjoy it. Enjoy the freedoms. Do what you want. I mean, I hunt with a longbow, but goodness gracious, it looks so fun to shoot a compound sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even mind pulling the trigger on a crossbow. It just, it's just fun. It's not, it's not uh, I'm better than you type deal. It's, it's just a fun sport that we have a lot of freedom in. And I think we should be thankful for that. 
Yeah, I agree. And I I think I I see a lot of this sometimes on saddle hunting pages. You see saddle hunters, you know, kind of bashing other people because they found this new way, even though it's not new, they found a way to hunt that they love and it's very effective. It's lightweight. And so I see, I've seen saddle hunters uh, kind of bash, you know, the hang on or definitely the climber guys. And now I'm starting to see saddle hunters like start like affiliating with a certain company of saddle hunting and bashing other guys. And it's just like, like, are you a one stick or a three stick? Did you cut your sticks down? Do you have a, do you have a daisy? If you don't have a daisy chain, you are the worst hunter in the world. Dude, what a loser. This guy doesn't have a daisy chain, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's just, just like, <laughs> I, I get, I think sometimes it's, we've talked a lot about that on here and I, I don't have to belabor the point. I think just try and be a positive thing and, and, and responding. I guess the biggest thing I've learned is don't feed the trolls. Um, there's trolls that live under the bridge. They're going to come out. They're going to do their thing. Don't feed them. And just let it be and move on, go to the next post. Cause if you, all they want is for you to respond. And I think at that, sometimes we, we do that and we just create more of a problem. And I think we need to, just, I, our, our approach is try to create something positive, create a light in the darkness. Sometimes the internet can be a dark place and we're hoping that with our videos, what we do is we shed the light. We create something that people really, really like, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'll honestly, the, the whole thing for me is I've, when I'm in nature, I feel God, I see God. And when I look at a white-tailed deer or the wilderness or the woods, I see God's fingerprints in a strategic design that is just so amazing that it just solidifies my faith. And that's, I mean, not only is hunting fun, but spending time outdoors, uh, that's just a, just a great thing. And that's part of shedding the light, I think, is trying to bring some of these things to life that you guys can watch in your living room um, and just showing you God's creation. So. Yeah. One more side of that that I want to hit on, Trav. Um, you yeah. were the guy that originally said, I think, guys, if, it, if you listen before, you've heard Trav say this. Um, you can shoot the biggest buck in the world, <laughs> but whenever you kick the bucket, that buck's going to end up where, Trav? Cracker barrel hanging above the fireplace. Yeah. Or Cabela's if you're lucky. Yeah. Or Cabela's if you shoot a big one. But now, you know, I mean, now yeah, let me I'll back up. Okay. You shot one of the biggest bucks, <laughs> not the biggest yeah. buck in the world, but for a yeah. longbow, I mean, any, I mean, I would love to shoot a deer that big. That is, it ended up being 163 inches is what we scored it. So it's a Boone and Crockett yeah. big buck. What's it yeah. like being on the other side of that statement now, now that you've done it, do you still agree with it? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, cause I want to, I'm tagged out. I want to go do it again. I'm not, I'm not fully satisfied. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm having a daughter in February and 60 years from now, she'll probably sell the big 10 at a garage sale for $20, you know, <laughs> and she won't even think she'll be happy to have the 20 and go buy her lunch her her family lunch somewhere. And that big 10 will either go to the dump or he'll end up at maybe Cabela's or, you know, it's just not going to last. It's that, that taxidermy bill is, is expensive for something temporary. And what I, what I hang my hat on and what gives me long-term satisfaction is knowing that if I were to pass from this earth at any moment, I can spend eternity with Jesus, God, and heaven. And that is what gives me true satisfaction. And that's something to hang your hat on. And um, that's just kind of where I'm at right now um, with my, my relationship with Jesus. And it, it feels good. And we want other people to know that too. And know that, that hunting and big bucks and all, the, all that stuff is temporary. But the, but the ultimate thing is, your relationship with Jesus. So I don't know. That's kind of what shedding light 
we try to shed the light on that too, I guess. So. Absolutely, man. Solid. Well, Trav, I, uh, I appreciate it. I know you're working, man. Probably got some jobs you got. I know you're taking, uh, Josh actually out, um, this weekend. Yeah. So you're getting ready for that hunt and doing some scouting yeah. and getting ready. And I'm hoping uh, maybe some point you and I can cross paths and hunt together. Yeah, We, we need to, we need so. to, we could be, uh, be in a tree sometime soon hopefully Absolutely. all right well man i appreciate you coming on telling us the story of the big 10 and how your season's going it's really cool that you've accomplished a lot of your your goals already this early in the season and i'm just pumped for you man couldn't be happier so thank all you right. man thank thanks trav appreciate it really appreciate my buddy trav coming on and i don't think that i could say it any better than what he did uh just the way that he unpacked everything i hope that you gain some tactics some ideas that you can use and the biggest thing is here's a guy who's gone from shooting some smaller bucks to shooting one of the biggest bucks that you could ever imagine and he's able to to admit that it's it's not everything to him uh he can't wait to get back out in the woods so don't think that if you ever just shoot that giant boon and crockett or the 200 incher that you've arrived because you, you, as soon as you do it you'll want to do it again the only thing that I know that satisfies is Jesus. And if you want to know more about that, I recorded an episode a while back called The Greatest Hunt. Uh, two bonus episodes, short version, long version. I encourage you just to check that out if anything that we've said intrigues you. Guys, thank you so much for coming back for another episode. And until next time, remember to shed the light.